Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying Podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope all of you out there in the world are continuing to stay safe and socially distance yourselves, regardless of whether you're wearing your mask or not. I just want all of you, we are all still in, still in the middle of this pandemic. I just want all of you out there in the world to be smart and be safe and not be stupid. As we all know, ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl 56 took place this past weekend between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. It was one hell of a football game. It was really, really good. It was physical. I kind of expected both teams to be a little bit jittery and and be a little bit nervous. I expected Matthew Stafford to be nervous because it, because it was his first ever Super Bowl. I expected Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow to be a little bit nervous because it was the Bengals' first time being in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1989, first time in 32 years. But the one person that I did not expect to be nervous was Sean McVay because he had been he had been to the Super Bowl four to five years prior. But all in all, Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP. Not mad at him. Not mad at him at all for winning Super Bowl MVP. It's well deserved. He's a triple crown triple crown winner, offensive player of the year, and Super Bowl MVP. Aaron Donald was very very much, very very much in the running to legitimately win MVP, and he at one point took over that game. So, speaking of that game, let's talk about this game a little bit. In the first quarter of this game, it was kind of choppy a little bit. It was kind of sloppy a little bit. The Rams came out, they came out of the gate going no huddle, trying to play fast, and eventually what happened? Matthew Stafford hit OBJ in the back right corner of the end zone for a 17-yard touchdown, puts the Rams up 7-3. to the Bengals drive right back down the field, kick a field goal, go up 7-3. to And the Rams get the ball back, and they go right back down the field again to go up 13-3. to Why do I say 13-3 to and not 14-3? to I say 13-3 to because Johnny Hecker, the punter, mishandled a snap, a snap from the long snapper, which led to... A missed extra point by Matt Gay, which ultimately led to the score eventually being 13-3. to The Bengals get the ball. They drive right back down the field, and not Joe Burrow. Joe Mixon, the Bengals running back, hit T. Higgins, wide receiver T. Higgins, in the back of the end zone for the, for the touchdown to cut the score from 13-3 to to 13-10. Now, at this point in the game, both teams are going back and forth, but at the same time, when the Rams will go up 13-3, I'm thinking to myself, okay, the Rams are about to take over this game. The Bengals' offensive line really isn't that good, but the Bengals held their water for, for a very, very good portion of that first half. They held their water. But, obviously, as we all know, the Bengals drove back down the field, and like I said before, Joe Mixon hit T. Higgins in the end zone for a touchdown to make the score 13-10. Fast forward to the to the to about halfway through the second quarter, and this is where things kind of started to go downhill a little bit for the Rams. Odell Beckham Jr. gets hurt. He gets hurt and he suffers a very, very significant knee injury. And as we all know, after the game, we found out that Odell Beckham Jr. unfortunately tore his ACL. I'm not the biggest Odell Beckham Jr. fan, but 
I really felt bad for him because he had worked so hard to get to where he to get to get to that big game and to play in it. And had he not gotten hurt, I honestly believe this. Had he not gotten hurt, he would have had a he would have had just as just as legitimate of a chance as Cooper Cup or Aaron Donald to win MV to win Super Bowl MVP. But unfortunately, that did not happen for him. So let's move on. Fast forward to. Late in the first half, the the Rams have the football. They're driving down the field. Matthew Stafford gets a little bit too greedy. He tries to go deep down the field to Van Jefferson. This is after Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt. He tries to go deep down the field to Van Jefferson, and safety Jesse Bates picks him off in the in the back left corner of the end zone. Matthew Stafford got greedy on that play. And I know a lot of people were probably thinking, oh, Lord, here we go again with Matthew Stafford. He threw a pick in the NFC Championship game. He threw a pick against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's thrown a couple pick sixes during the regular season. And a lot of people out there were probably thinking, damn, here we go with this again with Matthew Stafford. Are we really going to lose the Super Bowl at home because of Matthew Stafford's Achilles heel, which is turning the football over? But... As we all know, that didn't happen. But fast forward to the second half. This is where I kind. This is where I legitimately thought, in the back of my mind, this is where I legitimately thought that the Bengals were pro- were more than likely going to end up stealing this football game. Fast forward to the second half. The Bengals come out of the gate and were given, and, I, and I'm being real when I say this. So Bengals fans, seriously. Do not get upset when I say this. Do not start crying and bitching and moaning when I say this because it's the truth. Joe Burrow hits T. Higgins on a 75-yard touchdown pass out of the gate. But if you go back and you watch this play, T. Higgins literally almost rips Jalen Ramsey's head off his damn shoulders, which, which eventually, which is why T. Higgins got so damn wide open on that play. But the refs missed it. It was not pass interference. All and and all and all was right with the world with the Cincinnati Bengals. Bottom line in football, in football, whether you're a wide receiver or a cornerback, if the if if the ref don't call pass interference, it ain't pass interference. But all in all, the Bengals got a gift, and it's just that damn simple. Fast forward, the Rams get the ball on their first possession to start the second half. And what happens? Matthew Stafford throws a pick to Bengals cornerback Chadobi Awuzie. And right then and there, I am literally thinking to myself, if the Bengals put up a touchdown on this drive and the Ram- and the and they go up 24 to 13, the Rams will the Rams will be in some serious trouble. But that didn't happen. And the, and, the, and, the, and the Rams defense ended up holding their water and only allowing a field goal and pushing the and the Bengals from and the Bengals, instead of being up 24 to 13, they were only up 20 to 13. Fast forward to the fourth quarter. Fast forward to the fourth quarter of this game. By this time, at this point in the football game, Joe Burrow was only sacked. One time in the entire first half. In the second half, bottom line is this. The Rams defense just absolutely took over this game and dominated it. 
more specifically their defensive line, dominated this football game and sacked Joe Burrow six times in the second half of this football game. Leonard Floyd, Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, Ashawn Robinson is 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 more is more than likely their best run defender. And here's another thing that I really want to kind of point out to you guys in this football game. The Bengals the Bengals were able to run the football somewhat in this game with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has 72 has 72 yards on 16 carries. So the Bengal the Cincinnati Bengals were able to run the football. They were definitely able to run the football. But the Rams struggled a lot more to run the football than the Bengals did. The Bengals' defense kept their, kept their offense in this football game. But just wanted to throw that little nugget in there to you guys real quick. And also, also with OBJ getting hurt, OBJ getting hurt, like I said earlier, took the spark out of this Rams' offense. And if you go back and you really watch this game, which I did, OBJ getting taken out of that game kind of hindered Matthew Stafford's ability outside of Cooper Cup to get other receivers involved. And you could kind of see him trying to force feed the ball to Van Jefferson, trying to get the ball to Ben Skoranek to try to get other receivers involved. And it just did not, it just did, it just didn't work. It just wasn't working. So fast forward to the fourth quarter. At this point, it's 20 to 16. The game is in the balance. And at this point in the game, fast forward to about midway through the fourth quarter. The Bengals have the ball with a little bit over seven minutes left in this football game. They have the football. They're up 20 to 16. This is another moment where I legitimately thought if the Bengals take advantage of this opportunity, they are going to win this game. They're driving down the field. And this is where the momentum changed for the Bengals. Third and nine, with about six minutes, 25, with about six minutes, 27, 28 seconds left in the game. Joe Burrow tries to hit Tyler Boyd on an in route, and Tyler Boyd drops it. And at that moment in the game, I knew something in my mind was telling me the Rams are going to win this game. Had the Bengals. Been able to hold, had the Bengals been able to execute that play, had Joe Burrow been able to execute and hit Tyler Boyd and had Tyler Boyd been able to catch that football and kept that drive going, had the Bengals either kicked the field goal or put up a touchdown. Let's say the Bengals put up a touchdown or, or, or put up a field goal. It's 23 to 16. And that Cooper Cup, that Cooper Cup touchdown from Matthew Stafford eventually ends up happening. We're talking about the second Super Bowl in NFL history to end up going to overtime. And who knows what the hell happens after that. Or let's say the Bengals put up a touchdown and they go up 27 to 16. At that point, the Bengals defense was playing so damn good that you could legitimately say the Rams are in some serious trouble. And if they don't and if they don't put up a touchdown within the next minute or two. We're, we're literally talking, we're probably talking about the Bengals being world champions at that moment. But Tyler Boyd drops the pass. The Rams get the ball back. And as we all know, what, what eventually ended up happening? The Rams ended up driving down the field. And here's where you, con- here's where you knew 
the Rams were just simply just were just simply unstoppable and they were not going to be denied that world championship. When Odell Beckham Jr. left the game and Matthew Stafford just 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 could not get Van Jefferson and Ben Skoranek going. He got Bryson Hopkins going a little bit, and I like Bryce. I like Bryson Hopkins. I really, really like that guy. He is very talented at the tight end position. He's very gifted and he's very athletic. But you could kind of see at the end of that game that the Bengals started to realize, okay, he's not going to Matthew Stafford's not going to anybody else but Cooper Cup, and the Bengals still could not stop it. That's how you know you have a great connection that the, that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup had when you know that the when you know that that the that the opposing team's defense is con- is constantly going back or or excuse me you know that Matt that you have a connection with somebody when the opposing team's defense knows that knows that you're going to that guy and they still can't stop it. And as we all know, what eventually ended up happening, Matthew Stafford hit Cooper Cup on a one-yard fade to take a 23-20 lead. And as we all know, fast forward, the Bengals get the ball back. They try to drive down the field. And Aaron Donald literally ends the game on his own. He stuffs Samaji P. Ryan on third and one. And then he comes back and sacks Joe Burrow to end the game. And as we all know, the Rams go on, and they go on to win Super Bowl 56. It was a hell of a football game. I enjoyed every single damn bit of it. It was really good. And I want to talk about the halftime show really, really quickly. That halftime show was off the chain, man. One of the best, one the best damn halftime show I have seen. Now I know a lot of people out there will say Prince. And I'm not, I am not going to argue with that. Prince is in my top five halftime show, Super Bowl halftime shows of all time. But I honestly believe 50, Dre, Snoop, Mary J, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, they all absolutely killed that halftime show. And it was really, really good. My only negative to, my only negative to the halftime show was this. And it's a small, small negative. I think Eminem, and I've seen and I've seen a lot of people say this on social media. I think Eminem probably probably deserved a teeny tiny bit more time. But I understand why he didn't probably get the time that was expected from a lot of people. But all in all, that halftime show was was on fire and I loved every single damn bit of it. Best halftime show I've ever seen in my lifetime and a top five halftime show of all time. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for winning Super Bowl 56 and winning your second Lombardi trophy in franchise history. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk next up, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you guys why the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers both got what they wanted in the James Harden Ben Simmons trade. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Really, really quickly, before I get into my thoughts on the Ben Simmons, James Harden, Brooklyn Nets, Philadelphia 76ers trade, I want to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals really, really quickly. Me personally, and this is just my thought, are the Bengals, are the Bengals really, really talented? Absolutely. They're very, very talented. 
they are going to be in the conversation for Super Bowl contention for the next five to ten years. They definitely are. But here's the issue with Cincinnati possibly struggling to eventually get back to the Super Bowl. Number one, the conference the conference around them is going to be getting a hell of a lot better next year. Teams within their own division, the Ravens are going to be coming back healthy. Pittsburgh's going to get their quarterback, whether it be via trade or in the draft. Cleveland's going, to, Cleveland's going to be coming back next year with Baker Mayfield fully healthy. Then you have the AFC West, teams like the Chargers, Justin Herbert, the Chiefs, the Broncos are going to get their quarterback. The Raiders aren't going anywhere. Then you have teams like the Indianapolis Colts who aren't going anywhere, and they're going to get their quarterback. Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans aren't going anywhere. So the Bengals making it back to the Super Bowl is going to be a hell of a lot more difficult than people honestly, honestly think. Okay? This is, and me personally, this is just me. I honestly believe that the Bengals won't make the playoffs next year. This is this is this is my honest, straightforward opinion. I honestly don't believe the Cincinnati Bengals will make the playoffs next year, because it is hot. This was the Bengals lightning in a bottle year. Okay, this was the Cincinnati Bengals lightning in a bottle year. A lot of people, including me, didn't even expect the Bengals to make it that far. You barely beat the Raiders. Okay. You had no business beating Tennessee, even though Tennessee kind of brought that on, them, on themselves because they're the worst one seed in NFL history. And then you come back from being down 18 to the Chiefs in the AFC title game. Nobody expected the Bengals to be in that position to get to the Super Bowl. This was their year to take advantage of the of the opportunities that were given to them, to so the breaks that that to the breaks that take advantage of the breaks that were given to them. This was their this is probably their one of probably very very few chances to get to a championship and win it. And this may be their only chance for a long long time to get back to the Super Bowl. This was their opportunity and they came up really really short. But with all of that being said, the Bengals got further than anybody ever expected. And congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals fans, do not start feeling yourselves. Don't do it. Okay? Do not do it. Because there's no there, there's no guarantee that you guys will be in this situation again. So cherish this season. Embrace this season. And 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 you I hope you enjoyed it. Because you might not get back here again for a long, long time. Just throwing that out there. Just saying. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, really, really quickly, I want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. As we all know, the Philadelphia 76ers traded Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets for James Harden. Philadelphia gave up two first-round picks in 2022 and 2027 first round pick. They also gave up big man Andre Drummond and Seth Curry for James Harden. And 
at the end of the day, bottom line is I think both teams won this trade. Both teams won this trade for this simple reason. The Brooklyn Nets got a guy in Ben Simmons who can play defense and who can facilitate, which is what James Harden could do, facilitate. But they also got a guy who could really play defense. And not only that, also the Brooklyn Nets got another shooter in Seth Curry and they got a legitimate, or excuse me, another legitimate big man in Andre Drummond to go next to Nicholas Claxton to help their depth as far as as far as their lineup goes with big with with the big man. Like I said before, both teams won this trade. Brooklyn got what they wanted and Philadelphia and James Harden. James Harden gets to go to a situation in Philadelphia even though it's kind of a bad look on James Harden because James Harden now in two of the last 3 years has kind of complained and and cried his way out of two situations with the Rockets and now with the Nets. So while while it's while both teams benefited from this trade, it's kind of a bad look on James Harden and, and also it's kind of a bad look on Ben Simmons because because both guys both guys complained and pouted and bitched their way out of their situations. But all in all I digress. Both teams got what they wanted. And but also, here's another kind of slight negative a little bit. And this and this is with the Philadelphia 76ers. With Philly, when Ben Simmons was there, Ben Simmons needed the lane. Joel Joel Embiid clogs up the lane. It's kind of the same thing with with James Harden and Joel Embiid. James Harden because of the because of the style in which he plays, he needs the lane. Joel Embiid clogs up the lane. So that's something that's something that I think you guys need uh that's something that I think the basketball world really needs to pay attention to and really look at. But obviously as we all know, what's the biggest damn difference between Ben Simmons and Joel at Ben Simmons and James Harden? Or or the or excuse me, the biggest differences. Ben Simmons plays defense, James Harden James Harden doesn't James Harden has a has a hell of an offensive game, one of the top five offensive games in the league. Ben Simmons doesn't even try to work on his game offensively, and he's lazy, and he just doesn't care to work on his game. So those are the differences between James Harden and Ben Simmons, and that, and that's my thought on the Brooklyn Nets 76ers quote-unquote blockbuster trade between James Harden and Ben Simmons. And by the way, I think Philadelphia has a legitimate chance to win the championship. That's just my thought on that. That's just my thought. Brooklyn, eh, not so sure about that. I I think eventually down the line, Kevin Durant is going to eventually ask for a trade because he's dealing with a guy in Kyrie who's selfish and he's dealing with a guy in Ben Simmons who's who is who is who is as indifferent as as he is. But I digress. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Man, this 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 Kyler Murray Arizona Cardinals thing is just it's crazy. Okay? And here's why it's crazy. As we all know, the Arizona Cardinals lost in the wild card round to the eventual Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. But at the same time, now there's an article out saying that the Cardinals want Kyler Murray 
to take a step forward in his leadership and his maturity. Let's talk about this. Quote, I do know they're looking for Murray to take a step forward in a number of areas. Mike Garofolo from NFL Network reported on NFL game day morning. We're talking about maturity, body language on the sideline, and having a bigger voice in his in his with a, a bigger voice with his teammates and his leadership. Garofolo added that several members of the club were not pleased with Murray, were not pleased that Murray did not finish out Arizona's super wild card weekend defeat to the Los Angeles Rams, in which Murray threw two picks and the Cardinals lost by 23 points. Murray was not on the field for the, for the final two snaps of the game, citing, uh, citing quarterback, or excuse me, seeding quarterback snaps to backup quarterback Colt McCord. In a, in a statement, in a statement on Sunday responding to earlier reports describing a potential frayed relationship with Murray, the Cardinals emphasized their high regard for the former number one pick. Nothing has changed regarding our opinion on our opinion and our, and, our, and high regard for Kyler Murray. Arizona said in a statement obtained by NFL Network insider Aaron Rappaport, quote, we as a team and Kyler individually have improved each year. He has been in the league. We are excited to continue that improvement in 2022 and are excited that Kyler Murray is the quarterback leading us. Well, here's something else that I really want you guys to to go back and pay attention to. There was a tweet by, by, by ESPN's Chris Mortensen. Okay. There was a, there was a, there was a tweet by ESPN's Chris Mortensen. And this tweet says this regarding Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. This is what Chris Mortensen said. Okay? This is what he said. Quote, The odd vibe between the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray is indeed alarming. This was a few days after the report of the Cardinals wanting to work on Kyler Murray and uh, wanting Kyler Murray to work on his leadership and maturity came out. This is what Chris Mortensen said. Quote, the, uh, the odd vibe between the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray is indeed alarming. Murray is described as self-centered, immature, and, and a finger pointer per sources. This is from Chris Mortensen. Murray is frustrated with, fran- with the franchise and was embarrassed by the playoff loss of the Rams and think he's being framed as a scapegoat. Trust me, we ain't done. There's more. Chris Mortensen also says this, quote, where is it headed? Despite the acrimony, the Cardinals expect things to calm down and Murray is their quarterback. Select veterans hope to reach Murray on how he handled adversity on how he handles adversity better. Coach Cliff Kingsbury also is self-scouting where he can provide better alternatives for the quarterback. Bottom line is this with Kyler Murray. With Chris Mortensen getting that information from a source with from a source from a source within that organization, bottom line is this: now it's gotten to the point where you have people within that Cardinals organization running their mouth about Kyler Murray behind Kyler's back, and once you do that, it's it it's undone at that point. Once you do that. 
it goes out the window at that point. Once you have people within that organization talking bad about the franchise quarterback, that is the beginning of the end. And it would not surprise me one damn bit if this gets to a point where the Arizona Cardinals have to trade Kyler Murray. Because the fact that you, like I said before, the fact that you have an organization that wants Kyler to work on his leadership and his maturity, that's fine. But when you have some when you have someone within the organization talking bad about the franchise quarterback who the organization is trying to say good things about, now you can't unsee that. You can't undo that now. Now Arizona is in a situation where now, and people forget this, Kyler Murray, before he played football, before he before he eventually made the decision to become a NFL, a franchise a NFL franchise quarterback, he was drafted by the Oakland A's in Major League Baseball, and now now it's in a situation where if if Kyler Murray decides to leave. Kyler Murray can walk away and go play baseball if he wants to. But I'm going to throw a scenario out there to you guys really, really quickly. I'm going to throw a scenario out there to you guys. I think, and this is just my opinion, I honestly think that if the Arizona Cardinals do end up trading Kyler Murray, I call up the Houston Texans and ask them, what do you want for Deshaun Watson? I honestly believe that there is a good chance that Kyler Murray does get traded and he gets traded to the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson. That is my honest to that is my honest straightforward opinion. I and here's the reason why I believe Deshaun Watson to the Arizona Cardinals makes sense. It makes sense for this reason. Steve Kime has been known over the last couple of years to make big moves and to and to not waste Kyler Murray's years as far as putting weapons around him. But also, not only that, not only that, who on the who on the Arizona Cardinals used to be former teammates of Deshaun Watson? DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt. I'm telling you guys right now, it makes a ton of sense. Deshaun Watson to the Arizona Cardinals, in my opinion, makes too much damn sense. Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury need to win. Cliff Kingsbury needs to win next year or he's probably going to get fired. And it would not surprise me if that happens. So I'm just throwing that out there. uh, Kyler Murray will probably will more than likely probably get traded if he doesn't. If he doesn't, wouldn't be surprised if he does. It wouldn't surprise me. But I just want you guys to pay attention to. Deshaun Watson to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it makes a ton of sense. Just throwing that out there. Lastly, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about the Phoenix Suns. In my opinion, the Phoenix Suns are much more dangerous this year than they were last year. And I say that they're much more dangerous this this year than they were last year because of the simple fact that they didn't have enough size last year to compete with the Milwaukee Bucks. They have that now with DeAndre Ayton, with JaVale McGee, and now Bismack Biombo. They have that now, and not only are they more versatile as far as their big men go, they're, they're even more athletic this year than they were last year, even though they have the same team. So I believe Phoenix will definitely 
be in the top four, maybe even top two with Golden State as far as getting back to the fight, getting back to the NBA Finals and winning and and winning the NBA championship or being a contention to win the NBA championship, uh, uh, the, the NBA championship. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. As we all know, the Rams are our new Super Bowl 56 champions. And with that comes the typical media cliche questions or overreactions. Questions. Are the Rams the next dynasty? How many Super Bowls can the Rams pull? How many Super Bowls can the Rams pull off in a row? Are the Rams going to be in five of the next ten Super Bowls? First of all, chill the hell out with that. And and whenever I hear that kind of crap, it it, it just it it really it really pisses me off because the media just tends to just overreact a lot to. Uh, or when it comes to asking questions like that. Did it with the Seahawks. He did it with the Bucks last year. He did it with the Chiefs three years ago or two years ago. Are the Rams in position to compete for multiple titles moving forward? Yes, they are. And here's the other thing that people really need to think about and pay attention to. Let's go back to the Bucks last year. Even if... The Rams bring back or try or bring even if the Rams bring back most of their roster or or bring back pretty much all of their roster. There is no guarantee, just like Tampa last year, there's no guarantee that the Rams are going to repeat as Super Bowl champions. There is no there there is no guarantee that that happens. And the and no, the Rams are not going to be in five of the next ten Super Bowls. Matthew Stafford ain't probably Bottom line, I can tell you this. Matthew Stafford ain't going to play for that damn long. He's probably going to play three to four more years, and that's it. Just throwing that out there, okay? So my question to you guys is this. It's just a simple question. Will the Rams repeat next season as Super Bowl champions? And if they do repeat as world champions, what is the one obstacle in front of them that is going to keep them from repeating as world champions and why? Like I said before, do I believe the Rams have a legitimate chance to win the championship again next year? Absolutely. But if they are able to bring back most of, if not all of their roster, that does not guarantee that they will win the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Look at Tampa Bay from last year. Just throwing that out there and just saying. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins. Thank you all for listening. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at quietsoul24. Again, quietsoul24, Q-U-I-E-T-S-O-U-L 24. And you can follow me on Facebook at Jared Dawkins, J-A-R-E-D, Dawkins, D-A-W-K-I-N-S. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace.